The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Say good morning, John Strimstreffer, Community Foundation, Land of Lincoln. Good morning. Morning, Sam. And normally you bring somebody with you, but we're going to talk a little bit about what you folks are looking at for 2024. Let's give them a little background, what this is all about, this sure. game plan, the 10, and so on and sure. so forth. Well, you know, uh, the Community Foundation, we're a philanthropic organization. A few years ago, we wanted to try and shake some things up, uh, hear, listen to the community, pick some big projects that we could all work on together. And here we are about four years later now, and things are clicking, Sam. Uh, in 2024, I'm excited for what we have kind of on the docket on some of these plans. Uh, I heard Senator Turner on the air earlier today. Mm -hmm. She and I just attended a luncheon last week out of the Pawnee schools. We were here earlier in the year, or last year, I guess now, uh, with people from the county who funded um, this program to get more local foods in schools. And last week there was a luncheon where they cooked for county board members, other school districts come out. I got to tell you, Sam, that was the the best cafeteria lunch I think I've ever had. Uh, It's a remarkable... I think, effort for our community. I hope to see that expand and grow and other school districts pick up on that uh, in the year 2024. Well, explain how it works, if you will. Well, the whole idea is that came out of the next 10. People thought, well, hey, what do we have here in this community that is an asset that's unique? We have the richest land on earth, arguably, with our farmland. But a lot of the the crops that are grown are not for necessarily human consumption. They're beans and corn that go off into many other places. We import a lot of the food that we eat. But what if we changed a little bit our uh, ecosystem here for local food? How can farmers have the confidence that the product they grow will sell? The thought is to have larger institutions, especially schools, kind of be lined up to purchase potatoes or carrots or livestock here locally and kind of grow this um, local food system. And I think this is a great way to go about it by starting with healthier foods for kids, too, which is another very important issue. So Pawnee rose their hand when the Sangamon County government um, offered to these school districts in Sangamon County, hey, we'll pay for consultants to come in and kind of teach you how to cook from scratch. It's kind of a first step. Then they got people sourcing local food. It's a really complex program. That's why it's not easy to do any of these things. You got to plan for it, and then you got to try to execute grow into it but on this one um i think this could be a big thing for our whole region very good and is pawnee the only one involved at the moment they're the one 186 is started with okay two their school buildings i don't know if they're up and running yet but there's a will out there but the way is really hard (laughs) from what i've learned because you kind of have to have all parts of the system start at the same time so it's going to take a i think a lot of conversation between farmers uh, distributors processing folks and then the end user. So Without taking up too much yeah. time, let's remind everybody how this list was put together, this top 10, if you will. Yeah, we, we put a call out to the community in late 2020, and it was online because we couldn't get together in community meetings uh, like we do now, again, thank goodness. Um, and we had hundreds of ideas submitted, and we had a steering committee of folks that kind of took ideas and made them into some actionable uh, activities. So that was, the Farm to Table is one of them. It was called The Next 10, but we really had like 20-some projects in 10 categories because there were so many good ideas out there. We wanted to try to do as much as we could. Walk me through. We've been to the farm to the table. What's next? Well, uh, there's. I talk a lot about planning when I come on the air with you, and I I believe it's because without plans, we're not going to be able to get the stuff we want, to put it very 
uh, crudely, I guess. And so this year, very soon, I'm hoping in the next couple months, we have two big, big plans released for the state fairgrounds and for the downtown and the mid-Illinois medical district. Those are huge uh, geographical areas and kind of the older part of Springfield. And uh, oddly, we've never had comprehensive plans for these areas in the past. So having those plans in place as a kind of a master plan, I think, will result in many, many good activities. When the state funds the fairgrounds, I think there'll be a more uh, deliberate approach for w- how they prioritize things to really activate the fairgrounds year-round, is the, which it already is. But sometimes it's just one or two buildings. Maybe if five buildings are activated on a Wednesday in February. Uh, that's kind of the ultimate goal there. Uh, same thing for the downtown. I think developers, uh, the medical community especially, with a, a master plan can kind of work with local government on the ordinances, the, the policies that need to be in place to have more economic uh, activity. So these are big deals, uh, and they're, they're coming soon. Have you granted a sum of money then to the Illinois State Fair? We did. The, the Community Foundation, that's one with uh, philanthropic funds we have. We paid for that uh, exclusively by ourselves. Ooh, exclusively? Well, what are we talking about? I'm the, sorry. The Community Foundation paid for the entire planning process. And that plan has been released? It has not. It's coming coming soon. Coming soon, Sam. Who's got to okay it? What well, you guys paid for the it, state. release it. No offense. The, the state. It's, it's no, near, I it's understand. Near completion. I'm, you yeah, know, I'm yeah. playing with you. but Yeah. No, it's uh, there's some I's that need to be dotted and T's to be crossed, but it'll, it will be released here, in the, I hope, in the next month or two. Okay. Why, da- why State Fair? Why downtown? Do you think those are the two main possibilities for great potential? Well, I do, personally. Okay. But moreover, it was the community. When we went through that process and I said hundreds of ideas, I think more than anything, participants care about downtown. I, I think anywhere you go in this country, probably anywhere in the world, People want to know where the city hub is, where's the action, where's the activity, what's the living room of your community. It's a downtown. And so people care deeply about the success of the downtown. I think also uh, we are unique in Illinois. We, we're, the, we're the state home of the state fair. People care about that property immensely. I, I know you care about it a little bit. So when people spoke, they wanted to see these places improved. All right. When you talk about unique, we have uh, Sangman, Springfield Salmon Growth Alliance. Mm-hmm. We have a Chamber of Commerce. Mike mm-hmm. Murphy heads that. And we have your folks, Community Foundation. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a little unusual? I mean, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong, but we've got three major strong groups all mm-hmm. on the same page, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, most any community our size will have similar entities. Okay. Uh, community foundations are pretty much everywhere around the state, have coverage. Uh, chambers are everywhere. Uh, economic development agencies are, are pretty much everywhere around the state in the larger metro areas. I I think it's so important for entities like ours that have a unique vantage point of the community to work together. And that's uh, always been a, a joy of mine uh, with everyone who's been in those positions prior to Ryan and Mike. I've always enjoyed working with those folks, and those two guys are great to work with. Okay, how do you fund something like that? If if, if Greg Hallblight wants to uh, start a foundation in his name or Paul or AM Springfield, we start a foundation how do we, okay, where do you get the funds to do something like you did to put a plan together for the state fair? Yeah, well, I always talk about when I come on the air with you, this notion of philanthropy and endowments. So We, so, okay. we have some endowments that can fund land use and really? development. Okay. Yes, and those have come in very handy. Those were seeded 15 years ago or so, and now they're you know over $5 million in asset size. So we can make grants of multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, and we can do it over 
periods of time. But then we also have these family funds, Sam, we talk about all the time. Sure. Where we get to know these folks. And so on the state fair, there's two donor-advised funds that really got interest in that, and they're close with the community foundation. I said, would you, you want to kick in as well? And they said yes. So they're excited and anxious to see this plan released as well. Let's remind everybody, how can they set up something with the foundation, a fund, if you will, mm-hmm. and they can earmark it for basically whatever they desire, right? Yeah, as long as it's charitable. Uh, that's kind of the requirement. And people don't have to necessarily, uh, in the agreement they establish with the foundation, that's technically how we do these things. For a donor-advised fund, you don't have to define the issue areas. You can fund to whatever. You just kind of play a very active role in where you want the grants to go. But a lot of what we do and a lot of the bigger gift funds we have come through estate plans when people pass away sure. and leave us money. And at that point in time, when they're not here to be the advisor, they often will say, well, I want it to be for this certain issue area. So that's kind of where the um, some of the larger ones that the foundation board and committees influence how the distributions go out. It's a lot because people who care about this place left us money for, for to do good things. Assuming the people are still with us, uh, when you take a portion of their foundation money and devote it to something like the state fair, if you will, right. or downtown, do you have to ask them or tell oh, them yeah. what's going on? Yeah, for donor advised funds, they're okay. it's really a, truly a partnership within our own home at the Community Foundation because we administer hundreds of funds. But about half of our 300 or so funds are donor-advised funds. So it's like uh, I always think of we're kind of the conductor of the symphony, and sometimes you need the brass to come in, and then you need the okay. strings, and, and all of a sudden we're playing some music. So it's, it's a way to leverage funds within our own community foundation. And then we dr- go out on the downtown plan for in medical district. The Growth Alliance and the city have been the other two main funding partners. But then in the city, we kind of collectively wrote it, wrote a grant to the state, and that, that was able to subsidize most of the plan for the downtown medical district, so we didn't have to throw in as much money as we originally thought we may. little inside, you obviously depend on growth. You yes. depend on money being invested in the right way so the funds grow from year to year. For sure. Do you have a group that does that, that decides where you're going to invest the money? Oh, yeah. We hire investment professionals okay. to do that work for us All on right. a daily basis. We have an investment committee that just met last week. It's a very astute group of volunteers. Yeah, it's a very big part of our business, and we take that role very seriously as we're stewards of these funds. Uh, we want to get the best returns we can. And also the growth comes from additional funds being grown. and. 23 was the biggest year we've ever had for new funds coming in. Over $14 million came wow. in. Yeah, the market was pretty strong, especially in the last couple months of the year. Sure. And so we, uh, unaudited, but I think we're over $77 million now in assets. And started with what? Well, when I when I was yes. employed, it was under a million. So that was a, a million? It was a long time ago. No, it wasn't. <laughs> To, to grow $77 million and what you've been 20 years, right? It'll be 21 years for me, April 1st. Started with a million, 21 years later, or it's $77 million. Yeah. Is that, in, in this business, is that phenomenal, to that percentage increase? I think when you look at, when we've done this, it's been a while since I've done this, but we've been a little ahead of the curve, but these things take time. Again, the, the larger growth uh, comes from when people pass on and leave us big chunks of money. We know we have those stacked up because um, so many generous people have uh, put in their own estate plans uh, money coming to the community foundation. So we know there's going to be more than come. It's, of course, very bittersweet because we care so much about these folks. Um, one last year was a big one for us when Pat Coburn passed away. He was sure. on the board. I was really close with Pat. Great guy. 
Uh, that's another thing we're really excited about, by the way. In 24, we're going to start the planning for uh, what we're going to do with local journalism. We hope uh, for big, big things in 24 on that topic. But without Patrick Coburn's generosity, um, that wouldn't be happening. Is there a minimum amount where people need before they can establish a fund? Yeah, it's uh, ten dollars or $20,000, depending on the type of fund they want to establish. Um, so it's we like it to be accessible to folks. So it's not so much money where average people can't participate. Um, but it needs to be big enough so you can in, have an endowment generating enough return where it's a, a reasonable amount of money going out. Do most of them make yearly awards, if you will, from the fund or not yeah. necessarily? Yeah, I, we have. It, it all depends on how the donor advisor for donor advised funds wants to partake in it. Sometimes it's annually, sometimes multiple times a year. Sometimes they want to wait a year and save up for a, a bigger grant to come out the following year. It's um, It all depends on the donor's uh, desires and how we coordinate that. But the nice thing I would guess is you folks take care of everything. The, the, you really do. The legal and administrative yes. part, that's yes. the beauty of community foundations. I've, that's why I fell in love from day one with this job. We really move away a lot of the barriers to generosity for people who just want to help. And then I think, Sam, where we took a turn here in the last five years or so is doing more to organize the community for big projects. So take what we have and try to make some sense of what we can do locally in a more powerful way. That, I think, is the real power behind community. Real quick, 10 seconds. How can they make contact with you folks? Yeah, give us a call, 217-789-4431, or Google us, Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln. Love you, Mom and Dad. Love you, Tom. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.